Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chongo, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. The following conversation features Victoria Tolbert-Ashley, the National Director of Group Fitness at Export, on the topic of community health. We discuss her involvement in a number of community health initiatives, including the Health Equity Now Project and more. We also define food deserts and discuss ways clubs can be more in tune to the health challenges in their communities. Enjoy. This edition is sponsored by Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. All right, Victoria, thank you so much for joining me on the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's always good to see you. Um, I got to meet you in person at the Club Solutions Leadership Retreat, and it was great. So um, yeah, always nice to talk to you. You as well. And that was uh, such an amazing time, I have to say. I, I've, I've thought about it so much um, and have actually been able to, to reflect upon uh, a lot of things that you and I had the opportunity to speak about and then also just some of the other conversations. So yeah, it was good times. Yeah, good. That makes me happy to hear. So, well, the main topic of discussion for today is community health, which is something that we talked about at the retreat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Specifically talking about some of the unique challenges that some communities in the U.S. face, such as food deserts and how clubs can potentially serve those needs. Um, but first, I want to hear from you about why you love the fitness industry. What gets you excited to wake up every day? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know what? The fitness industry is filled with so much energy that it's almost difficult not to wake up excited every day. Um, It's sort of like a give and take dance that you're like, some days it's just like, oh gosh, again. But then it's just like, once you get into the ebb and flow of maybe not just the day-to-day, but the week or the month or whatever um, fit initiative it is, um, once you just start to get energy, the energy from from whether it's other fitness professionals or the people, the lives that you're impacting, um, it's really hard not to love um, an industry where you're not only growing on a day to day basis and, and always, you know, you're, you're constantly a student in this industry. You're always learning something new. Um, and so it's just that's probably what it is that gets me really excited. It's just like you, you kind of you always get to be a student. You're always growing. You're always learning and you're always interacting with people, which is is so important. Yeah, for sure. And how long have you been in the fitness industry? I have been in the fitness industry for 17 years now, just about 18. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Any highlights in your career that you want to share? Ooh, um, oh, that's a loaded question, Rachel. Um, <laughs> um, you know what? Um, I think right now I'm living in a highlight right now. Um, That's awesome. (laughs) Take out pandemic and all the challenges that we're facing right now. Um, I am still able to do what it is that I love. I get to be involved with group exercise, which is a, which is a love and a passion for me since I initially got into the industry. It was, it was my door in. And then I spread out um, and was able to do a, a whole host of things and be able to tap into various aspects of the industry, community fitness, commercial fitness, corporate fitness, um, And so now I sort of having all of the experiences that I've had in various sectors of the industry, uh, I'm able to tie all of that in together. Uh, I still get to deal directly with group fitness um, and then now being able to deal much more closely 
um, with the wellness piece and consulting and, and helping not only practitioners decide how they're going to develop themselves and implement well initiatives, but also uh, being able to contribute to other organizations that have a health, more of a health medical, medical health, if you will, focus, um, but bringing in that fitness piece and how we tie prevention in um, to the overall well-being. So I, yeah. I would, yeah, I'd have to say I'm kind of living in uh, my highlight right now, just being able to uh, grow through uh, the pandemic um, and seeing everything that's coming to fruition and why uh, fitness needs to be tethered to health. You need to have prevention as well as medicine. So uh, the, the minds that are coming together right now is just so awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Living in a highlight. That's a great perspective. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. So I know community health is extremely important to you. Um, wellness, like you were saying, can you talk about some of the organizations that you're involved in that that's goals are to improve community health or address specific challenges? Yeah. So um, I do some work uh, with some work. I do work <laughs> with <laughs> the African-American Male Wellness Agency and the National Center for Urban Solutions and um, also uh, the American Diabetes Association. And there are some amazing um, projects and initiatives uh, coming out of uh, the collaborative efforts of working with those organizations. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with the American Diabetes um, Foundation and the Health Equity Now Project. Can you talk mm -hmm. about some of the specific um, challenges that you guys are trying to help overcome? Yeah. So, you know, obviously um, health inequity is widespread. Um, it contributes to the worst of outcomes and higher risk for diabetes and many other diseases. Um, and, it, and quite frankly, it undermines the well-being of the most underserved communities. And so with the Health Equity Now um, project, which is uh, the baby of the American Diabetes Association, we're really getting to go into communities and find out what, it, what are those lived experiences? What are communities living with? What are they dealing with? What are those barriers on a day-to-day -day basis that we can help fix. I mean, why does everything always have to be a barrier? Why do people constantly feel that they have to live and deal with these inequities? So the, the Health Equity Now project is really about um, tearing everything up and giving a fresh start, a fresh perspective, a fresh look, um, and breaking those chains, chains um, of inequity. So yeah. it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at their website um, and, you know, they just had some stats that I just wasn't aware of um, that 60% of black Americans are more likely to get diagnosed with diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. And that every four minutes, a limb is amputated due to diabetes. To diabetes much, yeah. yeah. So there's definitely, I think some specific issues that, you know, gyms could potentially help address if, if they want to. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's, directly tied to what we as fitness professionals do on a daily basis. If we can get people into the gym, connect it to a fitness practitioner, um, connect it to a community that is fit oriented, you not only can impart some of those educational things and begin to get people to understand why they need to know their numbers um, so that they can prevent things like diabetes or for those people that are dealing with it, how to manage it better through preventative um, care and just personal health care and taking care of yourself. Um, 
from, from a fitness perspective and standpoint, I mean, it, it is what we do. Um, yeah. We, you know, we're, we're impacting lives on a daily basis. And so if we can get more people um, through the doors or meet them where they are. I mean, I don't think that fitness has to take place inside the four walls of a gym, but if we can meet them where they are, get them the education, get them a supportive community around them, um, we could definitely uh, drop those numbers. I mean, that, that 60% is it, very real um, and, it, and it hits the African-American community very hard on a daily basis. There are probably not many of us that don't uh, deal with it ourselves or have a very close relative that's dealing with it. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's one of those, one of those things that we really have to work together um, as a society. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you're saying though, about, you know, prevention and that, you know, gyms and fitness centers can really be a part of preventing some of these chronic conditions in particular diabetes for African-American community. Um, I think I, I, I do think the discussion in the industries, you know, going towards that direction, but yeah, we've definitely got a long way to go. Yeah, we to- we totally have a long way to go. Um, <laughs> there's no secret about that. I think uh, all too often we're like fitness and beauty as opposed to health and fitness because what we do and mo- the reason why most of us do what we do is because we want to help people yeah. and we want people to be healthy. And I think that um, with regards to the National African American Mental Wellness Agency, uh, a part of the exciting initiatives and in- in being a part of that organization is because it's all about um, doing exactly what we're talking about, creating solutions, raising awareness, and then creating solutions. And so, um, black men in general, um, they have a shorter life expectancy than most other, all other races of men. Um, and it's, it's really disheartening. And so through that organization, we want to raise awareness about the health disparities, um, in the African-American community, um, because of the fact that black men are dying at a higher rate and you know their life again. Like I said, their life expectancy is just shorter. Um, we we have to we have to stop that. Uh, a lot of attention gets put on violence and other ever and other things, but the number one killer is heart disease. <laughs> so what we do as a as an industry, as a fitness industry, is we prevent these things. We help combat things like high glucose, high glucose, high cholesterol, high BMI, you know, if we can drop somebody's body mass index and they start feeling better about themselves. I mean, come on, like, yes, like that's what we're here for. And so um, there, there are just so many opportunities for the fitness industry to partner with various organizations, not just uh, medical organizations directly, but organizations like the American Diabetes Association, like the African American Male Wellness uh, Association, uh, uh, National African American Male Wellness Agency, and and other initiatives. And I, I will say, probably the biggest message um, for uh, NCUS and AA Wellness is, you know, through prevention, we can all live longer. Doesn't that sound like the same message as the fitness industry? Yeah. <laughs> it's like what we do, we can help you live um, and have fun while you're doing it. I mean, who doesn't like sweating, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that though. So um, maybe ideas for clubs is look for um, nonprofits or other um, community partners in your community that you can actually work with to help address some of these challenges. Yeah, of course. Um, th- I think that once we as an industry figure out that what we do is so much bigger than our four walls and we become pillars of our communities or the communities that we serve, our opportunities for business growth 
are endless and infinite. I mean, if we can really get business owners, operators, practitioners to, to just get on one accord with that, the more that, that we drive and really focus on that health piece and put people first, um, we become pillars of the community and we're able to partner with um, a number of organizations to have some really amazing things happen. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, one of the things that I mentioned at the top of the discussion was food deserts. Um, so I want to get into that a little bit. You know, for mm-hmm. those who don't know, what are exactly are food deserts? Um, to state it simply uh, at first is a food desert is a place where or, or an area where people don't have direct access to quality food. They don't have access. There's either a financial barrier, a, a distance barrier. Um, there are challenges involved um, with them being able to nourish themselves with healthy foods. I mean, if you're, if you're living in some communities and the closest grocery store is five, 10 miles away, sometimes even further than that, um, you're living in a food desert. Um, some of these communities only have fast food restaurants or, um, local convenience stores or, dollar stores that are actually doing a little bit of a better job with uh, putting like little mini marts, if you will, inside of the, you know, some of these convenience or or, or dollar based stores. Um, But if your food source has got to come from a fast food source or a store that only sells like bread, cheese and butter, then, you know, it's that's a food desert people. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really uh, it's a really a challenging thing. It's a very real thing. You would think more people would understand what a food desert is, but quite honestly, when in society, we really only get to see the good of the good and the bad of the bad, you don't get to really dive and delve into those things that are really, it's not a privilege to have healthy food, it's a necessity. And when some people in some communities lack basic necessities because they're not supplied in those areas, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to bring it up because it is a common problem. You know, I I did a little bit of research and according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, about 2.3 million Americans live more than a mile away from a supermarket and don't have a car. Um, And I I do think it's a relevant discussion for the fitness industry because, you know, we do have a lot of um, discussion right now about the challenges with obesity, all of these chronic conditions. But if you live in a food desert, um, it's going to be a lot harder for you to overcome those challenges. Absolutely. And then yeah. you see that 60% um, of people, especially African-Americans are being diagnosed with things like diabetes. So yeah. when you marginalized communities just have it so much more difficult. Um, and it's something that we, we just have to continue to raise awareness about, because if you can't, again, like I mentioned, transportation being an issue, if you have to take two buses and a train um, to get to a healthy food source, you know, at what point do you say like, hey, I can do that on a daily basis. I can do that on a weekly basis and insert uh, people that have children and you're just trying to make sure that your kids eat. I mean, it's, it's really um, an alarming an alarming disparity that I just, um, it's, it's definitely something that hits very close to home for me because there's so many people that, that look like me um, that don't have the basic necessity of having a, a, a healthful grocer in their community. Thanks again to our sponsor, Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. 
The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. You know, I think one of the things that we talked about a little bit at the retreat is um, I think clubs could look to some examples in their community, um, such as YMCAs. There are a lot of YMCAs in the U.S. who actually take, you know, mobile food trucks and and go into these communities and, you know, have uh, fresh produce, fruits and vegetables. So that's just an idea of something. If if this is something that you want to try to address, um, you can look to maybe some of those examples to help overcome these challenges. Absolutely. And I think something that um, those organizations like the YMCAs or other uh, community um, facilities, JCCs, um, do really well is that they they directly, their mission oftentimes is the community. And so whether it's fitness or a senior program or a teen program, let's face it, like the youth, they're they're vulnerable right now. Mental health is running rampant. Um, You know, seniors, their health in general and mental health coupled with lived experience. Like, let's just face it, it's it's challenging for various uh, generations and demographics. So those facilities, I think that the rest of the industry can definitely take some notes from um, in, in their approach to how they approach fitness, because I do think that they do um, a remarkable job of tying in fitness to their other programs. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, any other um, ideas or thoughts on how you feel gyms could potentially better serve their communities and help them, you know, maybe address some of the things that we've been talking about? Yeah, you know what, aside from partnering with um, some of these organizations that we just talked about, like nonprofits, um, maybe a local physician's office, I think that gyms could benefit from having um, sort of a a built-in education calendar. Um, And that's not to say that many of them don't, um, but having a built-in education calendar where they're bringing in various uh, professionals that are going to speak to some of these medical concerns and how fitness ties into that. Um, They're going to speak to um, food, nutrition, and how that directly ties into fitness and what they do um, as a business. I think that if more fitness businesses um, expanded their business model and didn't solely focus on memberships, we could all sort of start to see um, us like just chopping away at the bit of um, not just saying, hey, we provide fitness, we provide overall life savings and and well-being. So um, I think that that's one thing is creating an education program that doesn't just revolve around the people that you have in your building, Um, reaching out to uh, various other organizations, nonprofits, medical professionals, um, so that we're constantly seeing uh, fitness being tied directly to health um, and longevity. Um, I also think that uh, fitness centers and, and not to be stiff with it, have some fun with it. That's what we do. <laughs> you know, like, do it, but have fun with it. When things <laughs> start to become a little mundane and it's just like, we're doing this just to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just, that's not fitness. Fitness is fun. Um, so have some fun with it too. I mean, I think that a lot of 
specialists would also um, like to be invited to Fitness Center, you got to make it like a concert. It's a whole production. Um, so, you know, maybe a production department needs to be added to a lot of these uh, fitness companies so that people see uh, coming to the facility as a as an event as something like you just totally can't miss out. It's like the, it's like your favorite entertainer. You're not going to miss their concert. So it's like, hey, my gym is doing this or, you know, my boutique is doing this. I have to be there. They're bringing in this headliner who's a doctor yeah. of, um, I don't know, <laughs> diabetes prevention. And he's going to make sure that I'm living to I'm 110. I mean, I'm not saying anybody's going to say that, but again, you want to have some fun with it too. So I, I definitely think that um, uh, bringing in other professionals, having a, having a, a live production team that's going to um, produce events that are going to, you'll be able to actually directly tie back to the business. It would be yeah. beneficial for a lot of companies. Like you can't have your sales guys doing everything. Like their, their end goal is just to sell like one or two memberships for the day. Like you need to have them, you know, on a plan to sell for the next year or two. So yeah. I love that. Even though some of the things we're talking about are extremely sobering and serious yeah. in practice, when you're trying to address them, still try to make it fun and engaging for Absolutely. the people that you're trying to reach. Yeah. And paying, being very intentive about what you're engaging people to, what are you connecting, um, your, your community to, uh, it's very, it needs to be done with intention. Um, and I think the, the more that we do things with intention, the more fruit that we'll bear. And, and you know, we'll start to see a lot more uh, positive things come out of those initiatives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I just want to reinforce the point of, um, you know, you really have to be in tune with your community. And I think what you were saying about, you know, reaching out to people that aren't just within your gym um, or yeah. on your staff, uh, if you really want to you know, figure out how you can help improve community health. You really do have to reach outside your four walls and, mm -hmm. and find out what's going on in my community that I could potentially help address. Exactly. And that's how we'll start to set ourselves up to be pillars of the community. Like where is the, it's, quite honestly, I've heard a lot of people say lately um, that the gym for them, especially through the pandemic, they realized the gym is almost like a sanctuary. You hear sanctuaries when you think about your place of worship, whatever your religious background is. And for a lot of people, fitness has sort of become not replacing anyone's religion. I am not saying that, but it's become <laughs> yeah. a sanctuary where you can do so many different things. You have so many different connections. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, it's about building, building yourself, building your community. And so the more that we take that energy, partnering and, and, and tying ourselves to other organizations in the community. Maybe it's the local fire department. Fire departments are always doing stuff. They have some of the best toy drives I've ever seen around like the holidays, right? <laughs> that is so true. So it's like, you know, the fire department or the police department, all of these different departments, quite honestly, are starting to do things that are more well-based. And so they're pillars in the community figuring out how our outreach to these other organizations um, can not only benefit the community, but, but you do things that are benefiting the community and your business is going to thrive. Yeah. Um, so we, we definitely need to do a better job. Um, and for those of us that are already doing it, continue to do the job and enhance that job of being involved in the communities that we serve, because that's what we do. We're there to serve the communities. And so if we tie ourselves to the community, 
even more, you start to become that pillar. And, and for some people, we do become like a sanctuary for people to, um, you know, just come. Sometimes they just want to come and sit on a bike and talk to people. Sometimes yeah. they want to come and just go to the sauna. You know, sometimes it's like, hey, I just want to go and talk. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, before I uh, go to our last question, um, that's a little bit more lighthearted. Is there anything more that you want to uh, share that you think would be important for our listeners? Um, absolutely. There is, uh, I, I would say that for anybody that's a part of the industry right now, we are talking about well-being and things that you can do to help other people be well. What about the things that we're doing to, to, to keep ourselves well um, and, and nourished and fed so that we are being, I guess, sort of what I started with at the beginning as a student of the industry, um, being connected to organizations like yourselves, Club Solutions, which I, uh, I have to say, I think I might have said this to you before. I think you guys are doing an amazing job of, of leading the health charge um, and really like beating the health and wellness drum and giving um, fitness industry professionals a place to come and seek out information so that it's not only resourceful for them to be able to take back into their business, their practice, um, uh, or, or share with other people. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, it's just good for the soul. Um, and so I really do feel like for, for we fitness professionals, we need to make sure that we're doing a lot of things, um, ourselves to tie ourselves, not just to the facilities that we work in, not just, um, to the clients that we serve. We need to be connecting with, with you all, Club Solutions, URSA. We need to know what's going on in the industry. Um, I don't know how many people I talked to in the industry knew about PassFit. Like, it's just like, come on, there are bills that need to be passed. And there are initiatives that we need to jump on because our, our local government, our senators, our, you know, statesmen, they all need fitness, right? And I'm yeah. sure many of them are getting their fitness from somewhere. So, I mean, we need to be involved with a lot of uh, initiatives that are, in the works that people like yourselves are working on, the amazing people at Ursa are working on. And so we, I would just kind of want to impart to those of us professionals, don't just serve yourself by serving your business and serving your clients. Make sure that you're being fed um, educationally, digging into the research that's coming out. Let's face it, there's a lot more fitness research that's coming out of this pandemic that's going to tie directly into health and medical. Um, and so make sure that you're, you're feeding yourself and getting aligned with a lot of the organizations that are already doing the work. I think that that's something that's really important that we oftentimes don't say to other people in the industry because like, oh, they work for that company. Oh, I work for this company. I can't yeah. share information with them. We're all sharing information. We all need to share information. We all need to grow. We all need to continue to grow. So yeah, I think that that would probably be the, the one other thing that I would that I would share is that we, what we do is not just for ourselves. Um, it is not just for the clients that we serve. Um, and it's not just for our business. It's so that we can really live in a healthful society and continue to thrive and grow. Yeah. I love that. It really does boil down to, um, community health, which is the whole, you know, uh, main topic of this, this podcast. So I love that you just kind of brought that home for us. Yeah, it's, it's important. And, and I, I really do uh, give like kudos and shots out to you guys. Cause, Oh, oh my gosh, like the work you're doing is amazing. It, it really is. And so I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of it and to contribute in any way that I can. 
Oh, thank you so much. That really means a lot. So I appreciate it. But yeah. So, all right. Well, let's end with a a bit of a lighthearted question. So I want to know what's a fun fact about you that others may not know in the industry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, oh, uh, unless people like really, really, really know me, they probably do not know that I love horses. Uh, I absolutely I love positively <laughs> love horses. Like I'm getting all like extra cheesy. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> probably like, ah. um, I love puppies too for all the dog lovers and kitty lovers. I, I, I like them, uh, but I love horses. There's almost like nothing better um, than a horse. No, you can't cuddle with it, but there's something that's just extremely therapeutic. Yes, um, I love that. And exciting. It's just like, oh, it's, it's horses are thrilling. They're therapeutic and they're just, oh, yeah, I love them. I love that. Yeah, we share that. Um, I grew up, my, fam- my family had horses, um, like my cousins, and I just lived for the days that we got to go visit them and not even ride them, but just, you know, pet them, awesome. take care of them. It was, it was great. So yeah. I love that. That's awesome. And I mean, fun fact to add on to that, I actually took my daughters to their first rodeo this year and they absolutely loved it. The horses, the bull riding, which I had never experienced firsthand either, but just to be around like all the people, the horse riders, the, there's, they saw children younger than themselves riding the bigger horses. And they're like, why do I have to ride the little pony <laughs> horse? And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh that's yeah. awesome. That's, that's really cool. Fact. Yeah, my dad was actually in the rodeo and he he used to ride the horses, the bucking broncos. Ooh. So yeah, he was uh too intimidated by the bulls. I mean, those oh, that it's so insane. Like I don't understand how brave those people I don't are to do. I, that. You know, I want to talk to the the specialists that deal with the spinal. Like, yes. how do you make sure somebody's spine is healthy to, to deal with all that jostling? And yes. Like, that's like whiplash in, in the cervical, thoracic, and lumbar spine. I just, I don't know how. There's <laughs> yeah. an opportunity for the fitness industry. Go to the rodeo and be huge, like, hey, huge can I help you? <laughs> yeah, there's a huge opportunity there. Yeah, you know what? That Listen, that's sparking some ideas there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we need to find those specialists that are, that are, working with those brave athletes because that's, yes. a, that's a real, that's extreme sport right there. Yes. Um, you know, that, that are working with those athletes. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. Your, oh my God. Your dad's brave. Cause those bucking horses are a little wild too. Yeah. Yeah. He did it when he was a lot younger, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah I still awesome. thought that was fascinating. So awesome. Well, cool. thank you so much, Victoria. I loved seeing you, um, and hearing, you know, everything that you had to say, uh, appreciate you sharing your insights. I think what we talked about was extremely important. So thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode of the club solutions magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.